Yeah. Like a different college within Syracuse. But African American studies was good. <laughs> that was a good class. It was a good good time. My first um my first professor in African American studies was this old white lady. And when you're walking in to your first African American studies class and you see an old white lady, you're like, okay, who set me up? Yeah. Uh. I lay on the scary, you gotta glow, gotta glow. I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Get Podcast. I'm your host Zeke, and in this episode, I'm my friend Nate to speak about podcasting, college, and music. You can listen to his podcast, The Cap Podcast, by clicking the link in the description below or going to all major podcasting platforms. I'd like to give a content warning for any strong language used in this episode, and hope you have a nice day and enjoy the show. So, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking to them for a second. My fault. I'm kind of new to this, new to this interviewing thing. Being on the other side. Yeah, I'm used to being on the other side. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's weird. It's weird being the interviewer or being the interviewee. My fault. Like, now you kind of realize how all these people be feeling when you're like trying to ask them questions and stuff. It's kind of a little <laughs> nerve wracking. You feel me? Yeah. So, first question I would like to ask is, what would your origin story be, and how would you like to represent it? My origin story. Um, I think my origin story would probably be, I mean, I can only speak for right now. I don't want to really, like, talk about what's in the future, because I don't really know what's going to happen in the future. But I think right now, I think my origin story would definitely be someone who is managing to find success while still not having everything figured out. Um, I'm only 22, so that's what I mean by that. Like, no one really has life figured out at 22. And if you think you have life figured out at 22, you probably should reconsider that. But overall, I think that, yeah, like I said, just being able to put things together and find success despite not really having things figured out. Now, how I would want that being told, I want to star in a movie and I want, like, I want to act in it, like, I want to like be the actor and I want to be like, yo, this is where I was at 22 years old. So yeah, it's going to be like an autobiographical, autobiography, that word movie, <laughs> feel me? <laughs> like playing me. Oh yeah. Starring me. Yes, me. <laughs> and I'm going to have all my, and I'm going to have all my friends, if they want to act, I'm going to have all my friends starring as themselves and stuff. <laughs> Put the people on, you feel me? And we going to, we going to get a, we going to get an Oscar. We're gonna get an Oscar. I mean, we're gonna get something. I know that for sure. If I if I'm in it, uh it just elbows me. We both have great hair. <laughs> Copy. I'll I'll make that call. I'll make the call. Idris. Yo, Idris, you wanna you wanna come over here, play Zeke for me real quick? Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Fuck James Bond. I don't need to do that. Let's go, let's go do your movie. Thanks, Idris. Yeah, so how you been since, like, last time we seen each other? How things changed? Um, well, lots changed since the last time we seen each other. Uh, we got this nigga in, in the office now, um, which is trash, but I'm glad that he's getting out. Uh, 2016 was terrible. 2017 was I. 2018 was 
I 2019 was I 2020 is trash. I think everyone could agree with that. Um, but for the most part, I just graduated in May um, from Syracuse University studying communications and rhetorical studies with a minor in African American studies and another minor in public communication. Um, so yeah, right now I'm just working on my podcast, Old Milk. Follow that on Instagram, Old Milk underscore co. Also on Twitter. Uh, got a podcast going with my lovely co-host, RJ Levichin. Uh, shout out DJ 500K. Shout out Max as well. And yeah, just working, trying to trying to find a way to climb the ladder a little bit, you know? Yeah, pretty much it. Yeah. So we both podcasters. What got you into podcasting? Um, I mean, on when I was in college, I was part of two radio stations. And I just saw uh, I just saw podcasting as the next big thing because nobody our age, unless they're like driving in the car to work every day, really listens to the radio. I think it's really becoming more podcast eccentric. Like the podcast market is just booming right now. So I thought I saw this as a way to kind of build upon that, like capitalize on that, as well as still do things what I that I love to do, which is talk on the radio and share my thoughts and analyze things. So, yeah. And like talk on the radio, like mm. when did you find out? What did you find out that you like talking? <laughs> High school, <laughs> High school for sure. Uh, anyone, I'm sure you could probably testify to this as well. Like anyone who knew me uh, in high school, I was the sports guy. Like I would always like be downstairs in the cafeteria talking shit, um, always talking about sports or whatever else. I didn't really start getting into music until I got to college, but sports, that was my shit. I would always be roasting people. You know how them lunchroom um, tables are, especially in high school, especially in New York. Like if you ain't um, roasting at the lunch table, what are you really doing? Um, So yeah, and I'm glad that that really just started me being able to put words together and being able to express myself more clearly in uh, any setting, which I feel I pride myself on that, being able to express myself wherever I'm at and being able to kind of code switch in a way where the people I'm talking to understand me. Nice. And so you got some music in high in college. What kind of drove that? Uh that's a good question. Let's dig back in the memory banks a little bit. I think um hmm. I mean, I I started liking music in high school. Like, that's when Kendrick Lamar was coming out and, like, all the conscious rappers were coming out. Uh, J. Cole, too. Um, I really got – I was really, really, really into Lupe Fiasco in high school as well. But I didn't really start getting into that more uh, hype side, for lack of a better word, the trap music, until, like, college. Um, My first concert, my very first concert, and I'm so lucky to have this experience, but my first concert was at Syracuse University, and it was a concert with Lil Uzi, Lil Yachty, and I believe Davies was the third. And Davies really impressed me. Lil Yachty, his performance was kind of mid to me, so I was like, okay, cool. But Lil Uzi got on that stage, and he just took it by storm. And from that point forward, I was like, okay, this, this... this dude Lil Uzi is next. Like, I really want to see what comes out of that. And then through Lil Uzi, I kind of started getting more into the 21 Savages, the Migos. Um, Even I started getting more of an appreciation for Young Thug. I had always liked Future, but I got more of an appreciation for Young Thug. Uh, Chief Keef as well. Shout out Solomon. Um, So, 
Yeah, like I like really concerts. I th- and I think that this is a thing that artists don't really realize. Your performance can really impact your career because that's your first attempt to really make a connection face to face with fans. I mean, I know we can't really. Um, there's not really anything we can point to now because we're in COVID and everybody got to stay inside and shit like that. But when when you're able to really make a connection with everybody in the room as you're performing, that really increases your chance to grow your fan base and become more successful and artists like Lil Uzi Travis Scott is another one have been able to do that and now you see how hard people go for them those two artists um I haven't been to a Drake concert but I'm sure Drake is really good at that as well it's really being able how do you and this is really just a thing in art in general how are you able to make a connection with a fan or with someone a potential fan so art is really just the purpose of art is to make someone feel something so if you, whatever emotion it is, if you make someone feel something, that's, that's art. Uh, whether it's photography, seeing something, and then you're reminiscing on that. Uh, whether it's music, like we're talking about a movie, like, you know, like when you sit down through a good movie and you become invested in the characters and then someone dies and you're like, oh shit, that broke my heart. Like that, that is an art. So that's really what it is. And I think the best way to do that, like I already said, is to perform and give your all into good performances and really connect with your fans. So use that, use my story about Lil Uzi and how he, his great performance at Syracuse really connected with me, use that and take that as every single time you take the stage, you have a chance to get bigger. Like even Travis Scott, when you look at, I believe it was these videos of him at South by Southwest where he was performing and he was going hard. Like he was really going into it and like, him going into it, even though there was like, they were like, you could see the ground. Like it was like, they were like, there was more ground than people at his performances at that time. And now look at him like playing stadiums and playing arenas and things of that nature and still giving you the same energy. Like there's really something to being able to connect and really give your all into a performance. Nice. A lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> when I, when I, when I hit a, when I hit a stride, I, I, I tend to write it. The whole way. I also go on a lot of tangents, so um, that's really half the podcast that I put on. Just lots of tangents about shit. So, yeah. Uh, my first concert was in high school with um, what you call it, Nas and um, Swiss Beats. Ooh. Ooh, that's a little classic shit. How was that? It was good because that the um, next like the preseason thing. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty good. I was like, oh my god, my first concert. And I was like. And then I was like, it brought me back to my childhood with the songs. I was like, I remember these. Nas actually put out a good album this year too. Have you have you heard it? Um, King's mm-hmm. Disease. Not yet. Not yet. Oh my god! If you if you if you're a Nas fan, that gets the job done this year. Really gets the job done this year. Yeah. And going back to your point about like your performance. Like was it like this year? Last year, Travis Scott did the um Fortnite concert, mm-hmm. and I still like the one that most people talk about because he had like all the and he he actually had like all the animations and everything with it compared to like everybody else who has like a pre-recorded video of them doing the music. And then you have like Bad, yeah, and they also had Bad Bunny with like the bus, the tour bus to the Bronx, and the Bronx was just like lit for the entire like a week. Lil, Lil Nas actually did something like that like last week um, on Roblox, not Fortnite, but Roblox, which is, um, that's his demographic anyway. Like 
kids at that age. You know how Old Town Road went off because of the kids anyway. But um, yeah, it's really becoming a thing now that um, virtual reality, especially now, because again, like I already, I mean, I'm probably going to restate it 10 more times because of COVID. Niggas can't perform and shit like that. But um, just being able to still get to the fan. How are you going to get to the fan? Like, somehow some way because you can't do it and you can't do it in person now so finding new ways like like you mentioned travis scott being able to get on Fortnite, um and now you have lil nas x getting on roblox um to perform with his new single holiday so i think that that's really the next thing being able to make a connection with fans even though it's um virtual there's a lot of things right now that they're trying to develop that is trying to make that possible so we're honestly, it's kind of scary though, because I don't know how much I really want to. Um, I, I like, I still val- like call me old as a twenty-two year old, <laughs> but um, I, I still value like being able to be in a space with people and artists, and still being able to like have that connection with them as they're performing. But I don't know, man. These 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 kids under us, they're something different. They really, really, they really, really like uh, technology and um just virtual reality they're really really into that so i'm I'm really excited to see what comes out of the next five ten years and what new advances come out of that yeah that's really my next question how you feel me personally i'm just like i like the like the interaction the personal interaction of, of the concert everybody in mosh painting together and i'm like i don't want to lose that but technology advances yeah. yeah, I mean, like, it's it's really, I don't know. I, I feel like there's so many things, and COVID is really interesting because this is really the time, this is really the first time that at least to my knowledge that I can um, draw that people are doing everything at home. You're working at home. You're getting your entertainment at home. You're still spending time with your family. Um, like everything, like you're not leaving your house. And this is the this is really the first time in modern history that something like this has happened with all this technology around us. So is this something that is how like how much of this reality are we going to have in our lives going forward i guess would be the question is this going to be something that becomes permanent and it's just going to be normal for people to live in their house or is it going to be something where it's like oh i remember that um but i'm glad that we didn't really stay there you know so is this going to be something that we're going to be able to tell our grandkids about and them this be a foreign concept to them or is this going to be something that's their real lives i guess would be the question yeah, I think even without COVID, that was like where we had that back and forth because we had like the um, Amazon supermarkets and like people, HelloFresh, and like people bringing you your groceries to you. So you don't even got to go to the grocery store anymore. And you're just like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, me for me, I, I like to I like to pick out my stuff. I like to I value that time where I'm able to like look at. Uh, feel how soft the mangoes are and you know like just like being able to make sure you're putting quality ingredients in your own basket and really because I don't really I'm not really trusting anyone unless it's like someone that I really know but I'm not really trusting anyone to like shop for me or anything like that you know like 
like I'm I'm very particular about being able to have fresh produce and that's something my mom instilled in me as well so yeah but this is this is this shit is really fucking crazy this is really the first time in like modern history like we're both from New York City right can you yeah. ever can you like do you if I told you that there would be a time where you could get on a train and every time no matter what time of day you get on a train you're guaranteed a seat and space you would think I'm crazy, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like this is this is really insane. And don't get me wrong, I value the space. Like, I don't really like people. I don't really like strangers touching me or nothing like that. Um, especially now in COVID. Like, there was this one time on the train. Tangent. <laughs> There's this one time on the train where I was um sitting down, and you know, like those like the three train, like how they have the little seats, like the different colors and stuff like that. So there was one seat in between me and someone else, and some dude gets on the train. And he literally tries to squeeze in next to us. And in the middle of that, he almost sits on my lap. And I'm just like, dude, do you not know what's going on right now? Like, why would you even attempt this in the first place? But that's a, that's a, that's a different story. I don't really, people on the train are weird, man. And they do not know <laughs> personal space. I guess that's what you should take away from that. But, and that was something that was going on in New York City. But at the same time, it's like now especially especially now when you got to wear the masks and everything like that why would you try to squeeze into anywhere so honestly respect people's personal space that's what i got respect people's personal space and you continue on the same point remember here because like a couple years like five years least five years back but have japan had like virtual art like virtual artists that perform and i was like is that normal? Is that bad? But there's no difference in the Travis Scott concert. Yeah, even um, holograms and stuff too. Uh, you have like Michael Jackson holograms, uh, Tupac holograms. Like this shit is. First of all, what do you what do you think about that? What do you think about having holograms and people still being able to see? Um, legends deceased legends still perform like what do you like would you attend a michael jackson hologram concert or a biggie hologram concert what would you what would you do in that situation i'll probably attend but it won't it won't be the same as them being alive because you won't get their energy and like their version of it you get somebody else like interpretation of their past work and it's not gonna be the same because it's just that 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 degree of different, that degree of different, and it's not, uh, it's pretty similar to like watching like a video of them performing. It's just that it's in, it moves like it's just like that character moves, but it's not that different than like a video. Yeah, I agree. Agree. We'll pay for something that too for free. <laughs> like, let's be like be able to find some value in being able to see those types of those deceased live um using air quotes obviously but i don't know it's tough it's a tough decision yeah now continue with music how do you feel like you you put down a more rap fan right so how do you feel about like the change of rap change of rap um hmm. i mean what what exactly can you can you be more 
specific with that question? Can you give me, um, so I know exactly what to, how to answer your question? You know, most people would say like, rap, like coach rap changed, because rap changed throughout the entire history of his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And people were saying more stuff for like, like the more popular artists, like Uzi and everything. But like the more successful artists, you have like Kendrick, J. Cole, and like Drake. And you have like the legends, like, is that that divide between the fans? Ah, so the generation gap. All right. Yeah. Um, hmm. The generation gap is so interesting because I'm sure in the 1980s or 1990s, when that type that era of rap was still popping, um, when when it first came out, that people. Who were older than them at that time were like what are you doing like what what is this what is this new thing hip-hop what is that i don't we listen to we listen to jazz over here sir we listen to soul over here sir what's what's good with that so it's just it's just every generation loves what their generation did and some people and because of how fondly and how strongly they feel about what their generation accomplished. They're always going to hold on to that, which makes complete sense. Um, but at the same time, you have, to, you have to recognize that things evolve. Life, life evolves. TV in 1950s isn't TV now. Same thing with hip-hop. Like, hip-hop, like, if you go back to 1990s and you listen to Biggie and you listen to J. Cole now, there's some similarities, but it's still different in terms of instrumentals, in terms of uh, flows and things of that nature. Like the, like the game has just in, evolved over the 40 plus years that it's been existing. Um, so that being said, I think that when you're looking at new artists like Travis Scott, um, Lil Uzi, like you mentioned, uh, Future, even Drake, which I, Drake is someone who is, really really good at being able to still most of his music now is really identifies with this generation than it did like the generation of Kendrick and J. Cole he's not really much of a lyricist right now um so it's really just about understanding that things evolve Drake is someone who understands that and I don't think really I don't think I don't think that I think it's I think it's something that goes both ways I think that younger generation should try to understand where the older generation is coming from like go back to listen to 50 cent go back listening to biggie go back listening to rakim go back listening to uh pete rock cl smooth um but at the same time the older generation should still understand that it, that they shouldn't be mad about the younger generation doing exactly what they're doing what they did but just in a different way so now it's hip hop becoming more subjugated having more subgenres you have hip rock over there you have hip hop over there um you have people who are still lyricists you have people who just want to sing and that is a beautiful thing for hip hop because one we're one we're not getting hip hop is not getting to be the number one genre in America without that without mixing in these rock elements without mixing these pop elements without expanding without growing without accepting what's different we're not getting we're not getting to number one without doing that and that needs to be under that needs to be recognized because that brings in the other crowds like 
the like hip hop really hip hop is really becoming pop music when you li- listen to new artists like 24k golden when you listen to Ian Dior when you listen to Lil Tecca Lil Uzi to an extent um there's so many artists who have just been able to not really have to rely on their words and their lyricism anymore. You can really just rely on the flow and your ear for good beats and you could be successful. So I say all that to say that's all that's a lot of that's a lot of hanging points that I'm leaving there, but I say that to say that I think that the generation gap is something that over time it has started to become bridged it's becoming closer together like hip hop. There isn't really, I haven't really heard many old heads really talk about this generation of hip hop negatively in the same way that you maybe did in 2015 when Young Thug was coming out and people were like, what the fuck is this nigga doing? So I'm glad that there is that type of unity in hip hop. But at the same time, I think it's just like knowing how to appreciate different eras. You can't appreciate, you're probably not going to be able to appreciate Drake in the 1980s, especially now with all the different genre hopping that he's doing when he's hopping on R&B songs and now he's doing UK drill and all these other things. You're, you're probably not gonna appreciate that. So it's just, it's, just a, it's just really a time of artists being able to do what they want and being free. And I support that. Yeah, and on that thought, the funny thought I had was like, every time the old hands like back in my day, just how we did it, and the young hands like, but well, this is we like, we like what we're doing right now. But the argument never dies. It's just that the young heads just get older, and they just and they just say back in my day, this is what we did, mm-hmm. and then their children are like, this is what we're doing now, and it's just like a cycle. Even even now, I feel like. Like, I feel like listening to some of the new artists coming up, there are some times where I have to catch myself and be like, what, like, what is this? But like, at the same time, it's like, how do you, how are you able to understand things? Are you, are you willing to try and understand things in the first place? So I think that comes with being able to remain, um, remain informed. And also if you're a rapper relevant in hip hop, like if you listen to, um, like Kanye is working with all these newer artists. He's trying to work with Lil Baby now, um, the Baby now. Uh, both both those are two babies, by the way. Um, Lil Baby, the Baby. Uh, he's worked with Lil Uzi. He's worked with Travis Scott. Um, even Drake working with Lil. Like, there's there's so many. The thing about the artists that came out in 2010 and that they realize and they understand is that they have to embrace that new generation. So now you're seeing. Um, Kendrick working with Baby Keem. Um, I mean, they're cousins, but still, that's two completely different generations. And you're seeing Future working with Lil Uzi and really, really um, trying to come together with these new artists to create unity in hip hop and also give old fans and young fans um, what they want. Like on Trippy Red's last album, the one that just came out, Pegasus, he has a song with Busta Rhymes on it. Busta Busta Rhymes' career is older than me. And he has a song with Trippy Red on it. Well, Chippy Red has a song with him on it. So I like that cross-generational, oh, I can match this with this. I can match this with this. On King's Disease, like I, re- I was recommending to you, um, Nas has a song with 5 4 on it. 5 4 came out last year with that, with that Brooklyn drill scene. 5 4 came out last year, and Nas has a song with 5 4 and doing his thing on it. So I, I really think that 
the gap is being bridged. And I, I, I think that's really, really good for hip hop. There's nothing but positivity that could come from that. Nice. This is that everybody. There's room for everybody. There's room for everybody. There's room for everybody for sure. And the one thing that we, I think the next step is getting the getting the grant like getting award shows to understand that hip-hop isn't one-dimensional anymore so they like when you look at the grammys they would nominate people like they nominate like they put travis scott and uh for just randomly they'd put travis scott and kendrick lamar in the same category and it's like they don't make anywhere near the same type of music like why are you comparing them aside from the fact that they're hip-hop when travis scott clearly has a rock element to it so understanding that there's sub-genres in hip-hop as well and being able to account for that too that's the next step as well especially now also with the women coming up meg the stallion and flo millie uh mulatto uh, Cardi B already. Um, like there's so many women coming up too, and that is going to be a completely different subsection of hip hop as well with completely different fans. So un- understanding that hip hop is still growing um, and just understanding how to respect every single facet of the growth. Nice. I see hip hop is like, it's just like a massive, all the, all the black music put together. The jazz element, the blues element. Rock too. Yeah. Rock too. Country a little bit. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of elements that are being put together now. And there's like so many different types of personalities and so many different, like Trippy Red is, while Trippy Red and Young Thug sing, they don't sing the same way. You know, like Future and Uzi, they they sing. They're very, very similar. They just came out with a tape together. They're very, very, very similar, but there's still some things that Future does that Uzi doesn't do, that Uzi does that Future can't do. So it's like Playboy Cardi, like the nigga just like gives you two words per per line and he's still making heat. So even though he hasn't dropped in a while and I probably triggered a lot of Playboy Cardi fans by mentioning him. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Won't do that again. (laughs) Yeah, music is fine. Let's go back to so you study communications. Yes. How was that? Interesting. If I if I were to put it in a word, interesting. Because all I have is one communication class, and then mm-hmm. speeches. Yeah, I had a I had a speech class. I've had a small community a small group communication class. I've had a class, and this is probably. My, it was my first class. It was like the first class I was ever in in Syracuse. Um, I forget. I forget the name of it. It was community. It was CRS 101. I, I want to say 101 or 181. One of those. And the professor's last name was Rodriguez, and he was a Caribbean. He was Caribbean, and his his whole thing was he would just talk the whole time, and he would just like pick on random people to like can't like converse with them and in the middle of a lecture hall i'm talking 200 people 300 people like a huge ass lecture hall and for freshmen first coming into college that task is daunting but the thing that i really appreciated about his class was the way that he was able to expand communication from something that's just verbal so communication can be something for example, I'm talking right now, right? And then you're nodding your head. 
that's communication that tells me that you're listening to me and you're understanding what I'm saying. Um, me just like knowing hand, knowing just, just being able to read people better, you know, like even when you're taking, when you take that away, right. Communication isn't something that's, um, human driven when a dog, when a dog is barking at you, he's trying to, he's trying to alert you to something. When the trees, when the trees change, change, when the trees leaves change color, season's about to change. That communicates that to you. So there's so many different ways to look at communication now based on um, what I've learned. And I think that that's something that's very important because it also allows you to make it in a, have an appreciation for everything that's not what they want you to like focus on like you could really take a step back and appreciate nature now and see how birds communicate with their environment see how squirrels communicate with with trees and with nuts and just like running up and down and stuff like that you like you could really see that better so yeah community like that's that's really the biggest takeaway i remember one time i took a um also the thing about that class too we had to write seven 10-page papers. Seven 10-page papers. Now, that sounds daunting as fuck, but let me tell you, those it, was, it wasn't as bad as it seemed because it wasn't, you know how like you have those research papers where you have to like cite and you have to like look at, he wasn't, we wasn't doing that. I could literally just rant for like 10, like I could literally just get all the emotions out, just rant for 10 pages. As long as it somewhat proves my point, I get 100. So it wasn't even on some oh, you have to heavily research this and you have to cite your sources and think, no, it wasn't none of that. It was really just being able to show that you have an understanding of that. And that really also, from doing that, really also made me realize how much I like writing as well. Because when you're able to just put words on paper and put thoughts on paper, that's completely different from being forced to do things, especially like in New York, um, when you're the regents, right? The, do you remember the English regents when they're like, they told you a specific way to write and everyone hated it. Cause it's like, not everybody needs to write the same. Like that completely, that completely destroyed that concept for me. And now I look at writing as something more free and open. So I learned a lot of things in, from that class specifically, as well as so many other classes that I took there. Nice. Yeah. Seven, 10 page papers, 70 pages. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> I see the syllabus like I'm switching. Oh god, <laughs> Lo- no, low key. If that class wasn't mandatory, I probably would have switched too. But it was so. All right, ain't nothing to do but buckle down. Again, the longest page paper I ever written still in high school was Bear's class. How long was it? Page. Ten pages. Ten pages. She made me. I don't think she ever made me write ten pages. The most I might have. The most I might have written was five. Did you have the advanced class or the record class? No, no. I knew, I knew better. I was like, no. <laughs> I, I like, I, I know, I know what I need to do to get to where I want to be. That's all I'm gonna do. Nothing, nothing less, nothing more. Like, I was cool. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, that was an advanced. That was an advanced class. Oh, no. I, I, I will. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Just no. Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. But like um yeah, so it helps you like figure out. It helps you understand the totality of communication, mm-hmm. not just like people speaking, but to appreciate 
every little detail in it. Yeah. That's very important. Appreciating the little things. If you get like that, that's just just that's just a good rule for life. Knowing how to appreciate the little things. Sometimes you get caught up in uh, what you're trying to do, and sometimes you just need to take a step back and enjoy the fact that you're a living being right now. Yeah. I always seem like communications and marketing is pretty similar. You gotta figure out how to speak to people. Mine is more the business like Hey, buy this, and yours is more of like, let's just keep talking. Yeah. So what made you go to Syracuse? Um, I always, I always knew I wanted to go to Syracuse. Um, when I was in sixth grade, I believe, that's when I knew I wanted to go to Syracuse because that was, I don't know, I was really, really, really a sports head growing up. And the one college that I would always see and the, the one college I would always see on TV was Syracuse because that's when their basketball teams were actually uh, of note. Um, so just seeing that and then realizing that it was a great distance. It was a good enough distance from New York City to keep the family away, but still close enough to where I don't have to go through like three airports. That, that really sold me as well. Also, Syracuse is known as one of the best, if not the best, communication school in the country. There's a lot of people um, in media right now who have gone through Syracuse. Um, most Joe Biden, who just who the president-elect went to Syracuse. Like so many people have gone to Syracuse. So it's clear that they know what they're doing in terms of making people successful for this society. But yeah, just seeing the amount of success that people have had coming from Syracuse, as well as just the the vicinity of it, um, and the dreams of a sixth grader. Um, that that's all the things that made, really made me want to go to Syracuse. Nice, and it seemed like it planned out. And yeah, finished. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the longest plan I ever had. That was six years. That was six years of I want to go to Syracuse, and then it actually come and it actually happening. I was so, I was so happy. Yeah, I was just like, group C program. I don't have to pay any money. I get money back. Nice. Nah, Syracuse is expensive. That that's one thing I will say, and they keep raising that fucking tuition. Which, to be honest. I could get into the I could get into that a little bit. This this might not be the podcast for that, but they should they should stop raising tuition. Let me just say that that's that's fucking crazy, especially in COVID. Like niggas is just in their houses and stuff. So yeah, it's weird. College is fun. Yeah, if you know if you know how to if you know how to make it fun, it is. It's it's what it's what you it's what you make it. It's really what you make it. Because yeah. you could you could be in that dorm twenty four seven just working, and then you'll not have any fun. Like. You gotta know how to get out a little bit more, experience things. Just like even if you don't like going, even if you don't like partying or anything like that, just like knowing how to make connections with people and do other things, like go go out to eat and stuff like that. You know, little kickbacks. Yeah, uh, last concert my college had my last year was on GID. GID. Oh, he's good. Yeah. He's good. We saw him. He's good. Did you um? Did you see him perform? His hit song with J. Cole off these? Nah. Bruh. 
he performed that. And the song goes fast. Like, it's really, really fast. And the one thing, this is the one thing I really, really remember about that concert because it had me weak. He performed it flawlessly. And then he was like, I fucking hate performing that song. That shit is so fast. Like, that, like he said that. And I was like, okay, like, I get it. Like, yeah, but good job. Good job. Thank you for that. I think he performed J. Cole's verse too. And Cole wasn't there. So, yeah, J.I.D. is also someone who, we, we've had a lot of concerts there, man. A lot of good people. Seen Travis Scott, 21 Savage. Um... Lil Uzi, like I already mentioned, we had her. I didn't go to that concert and I hate myself for it every day, but we had her. Um, we were going to get Meek Mill, but then that was that time when Meek Mill went to jail the first time. So then like literally the weekend we were going to get Meek Mill, it was like, oh, Meek Mill got locked up. And it was like, okay, fuck, we can't get Meek Mill. Um, we saw Gunna, uh, Pusha T is a really good performer. It's a really, really fucking good performer. Pusha T, uh, ASAP Ferg, Joey Badass is another low-key good performer. Like, you, you wouldn't think that they know how to carry the energy of a building because of the type of music that they make. It's all conscious and kind of, it's really, really detail-oriented in terms of the lyricism, but they know how to put on a show. Those, those are two of the best shows that I went to. T-Pain is also really, really good still really 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 good like he there was mad time they would be like yo i'm tired and then his dj would be like oh you got more hits to perform he's like ah you're right my fault and then he would just like start performing another one like there was there was nothing t-pain was crazy too there's this yeah yeah college is it's good it's good shit man, i mean t-pain man my childhood all oh days. yeah oh yeah when you said wisconsin all right let's go let's go to wisconsin you know where it is but we out <laughs> now and now he does Twitch. Does he? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Is he? Have you seen? Have you seen him? Is it? Is it good? Yeah. It's good. I saw um Logic, another rapper, retired this year to do Twitch. I don't know. I don't know if it's good or not, but I, there's a lot of people getting on Twitch as well. Twitch is really building. Gaming in general is this building, so that's that's a very interesting as well. I remember high school, so people still making money and competing. I was like, it's my time to shine. Put <laughs> that Call of Duty up. And I'm like, go to college. I was never good at Call of Duty. I can't do that. I need, like, if I'm playing, like, shooters, I got to do, like, auto locks. Like, Grand Theft Auto, how you can just auto lock on. Then I, could, then I could do some damage. But Call of Duty with all that, like, I was never good at joystick gaming. Never good at that. That shit is... Kudos to you, man. I don't know how you do it, but I know that's not, I know I'm not about that life. <laughs> it took me a couple of years to get a good at Call of Duty. It was like in ghost time, but I was still playing Black Ops 2. They had my first one before comeback, and I was like, yep, now I'm nice. Now I'm <laughs> it. It they built like, the confidence I'm, for you. Yeah. Going back to college. <laughs> And then you had African American studies and what's your other minor? Public communication, which is literally just different. It's it's different but the same as my major. Yeah. It's it's, like, it's in a different school though. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like a different college within Syracuse. But African American studies was good. <laughs> that was a good class. It was a good good time. My first um my first professor in African American studies was this old white lady and when you're walking in 
to your first African-American studies class and you see an old white lady, you're like, okay, who set me up? <laughs> but she was so articulate in explaining the Black struggle and showing that she, like, she really earned my respect. Like this, like, this lady was, like, in her 80s in her 80s as a white lady. So that means she went through, she experienced some of Jim Crow. She could have grew up to be in, she could have grew up and been like racist as fuck if she wanted to. But like, she, she did it, like she understood shit. And I'll never, I, I will never forget, we were reading this book. I forgot what the book was called. And in the book, there was the term white devils in it. And she just said it so casually, like she frequently uses the term. I was like, okay. Okay, Miss Simpson, you got you got my respect, my full professor. Like she was, she was literally the first teacher I had, and she was really good. Rest in peace to her, though. But that's that's fucking crazy. But that was that was really that's really one of the most unique experiences I ever had. Cause like just 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 seeing a white person be able to properly articulate African American studies and make me learn shit as an African American person. That's respect. That's respect. Welcome to the classroom, like you okay? Where the camera at? Oh, <laughs> no, for sure. I was looking around, like Ashley, cut you around, like what's yeah, good with her. this? What the professor coming in? I am. <laughs> sure. Can I transfer out real quick? <laughs> nah, you can. This is mandatory too. Oh, all right, my fault. I'm gonna just sit down. Nah, that was that was a good class. So many other classes. Um, we had. The, the, the most interesting class, though, that I had was this class, Politics of Africa, where you learn about Africa. And it was really interesting. Like, I learned so much from that class. I didn't really do well in it because uh, the, the, the way that it was taught was kind of like you learn stuff, but then like when it's time to like, you ever... You ever like learn something and it's such a huge concept for you to understand that you need a moment to like reflect on it, like actually like let it develop. That was literally the whole class. And it would just be huge ass concept with things that are just so foreign to me because like I'm, I'm, I'm half African-American, half Caribbean. I'm not like, I, I don't have any, I don't think I have to my knowledge because this whole thing called slavery happened. I don't think I have any answer. I don't think I have any relatives in Africa. I could be wrong at the same time, slavery. So, but just, just learning about the different politics of each country. And that really kind of grew my knowledge for pan-Africanism and just understanding how every black person in the world needs to be united on some front. And needs to understand that no matter where you go, there's fucked up shit happening to all of us. And being able to sympathize and empathize with each other and while still supporting however you can, that's very important as well. Like when you saw uh, Nigeria recently with the NSARS movement, um, I, I'm sure, I, I can't speak for them because I can't, because I'm not Nigerian, I can't speak for them, but I'm sure in the same way when we were protesting George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Tony McDade and all these other 
uh, African-American people who were murdered, um, they were standing up for us. I'm sure that they were um, encouraged like we were when they saw us standing up for them as well and just lending our voices to them as well. So I think it's really important that um, Pan-Africanism and understanding, just understanding, just understanding that Black people everywhere are at risk for certain things and supporting them however you can, whether it's lending your voice or educating yourself or being able to educate others because we all have the power to, you You have more power than you really know. So just understanding that. That's really what that class did to open up my mind to. And it's cra- it's really crazy that that class kicked off that I had that class in the same year because that was literally the last African-American studies class I had. Um, I had that class in the same year all this other protest shit broke out. So that's that's really fucking crazy too. It's crazy how life works, you know. With that timing. Yeah. Timing is timing is everything. The universe will put you in situations and you'll have no idea why you're there until you know. Like you don't know until you know. <laughs> which is which is weird to say. It it sounds stupid, but unless you unless you know, like unless you can really uh relate to what I'm saying, you 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 probably won't understand. And with college, have you felt like you've grown since then? Since you started, now you ended? I I'd say so. I think I've grown in some areas. Um there's still areas of improvement. One I mean one thing one thing about me that I'm starting to realize about myself is that I'm really someone who is really um, I like I'm really someone who doesn't really I'm really a big victory type of guy and that sucks and I'm trying to get out of that but what I mean by that is someone who unless it's actually done, like the job is finished in the words of the late great Kobe Bryant, like I'm not really celebrating about it or I'm not really um, giving myself credit for that. And that's something that I got to get better at for sure. Cause like there's little things that you got to get better at every day. Like being able to make breakfast is an accomplishment, you know, like being able to like have a routine that you're sticking to working out every day. That's an, that's an accomplishment, you know, and just like finding a way to be able to minimize, like to be able to, break down your goals into literal into more into smaller goals excuse me being able to do that and still find accomplishment in accomplishing the small goals as much accomplishment as you would the big goals i think that's that's my next test i i see that right now that's my that's my next test so i i I go on that tangent to say like when you ask me do i think i've grown i still think i have a lot of growing left i do think i've grown but i i just don't I haven't really, there've been times obviously, but like as a whole um, thing as accepting reality, like how I graduated, I accept that as reality now. Like I graduated, like cool, but I haven't really accepted me, my growth as a reality yet because I still feel like it's a work in progress and it's still something that has to remain um, on top of, you know? Yeah, you just gotta, it's like, I'm a work in progress for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's the thing. Just like making the choice to be better every day. That's really what it is. Life is a bunch of choices, man. And celebrating the small goals that help you uh, keep on the path because you're seeing that you're making progress. It's not like you're just in the same spot. 
yes, he's yeah. moved a couple of spaces. Yeah. Making sure you're not stagnant too. That's that's huge. But also at the same time, understanding that stagnation is a part of life too. So like if you're if you're in a spot for a long time, keep working. Like don't really let that discourage you. Just understand that this is where you're at and try to figure out how you can get out of that. To jump back to your podcast. Because I like jumping around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, what kind of so what kind of enjoyable about doing the podcast? Can you repeat that one more time? My fault. What's, what's enjoyable about doing the podcast? Oh, what's enjoyable about doing the podcast? Um just being able to listen to music and talk about it. <laughs> combines my two favorite things music and talking you know um like i said i have a great co-host in rj Levichin, and we're able to try we're typically on the same page we're able to try and break down um the music for people casual fans that's really what i see it being just something that casual fans can listen to and gain knowledge and information from that's what we aim to be so being able to do that. I like informing people. I like talking. I like giving my opinion. It's all fun. Like even just like being able to wake up on Sundays. Cause that's the day I listen to music. Um, just being able to wake up on Sundays and just like, know that, Oh, there's three albums. Like there's three albums that I have to listen to. That's three hours of new music that I could just sit back and enjoy. Just like knowing that that makes Sundays so much better. So yeah, that's, that's really enjoyable. And also just the, the conversation, the banter that we have, uh, between each other, um, the, the 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 conversations we have behind the scenes, where we're trying to focus on how do we get this podcast better, as well as just like being friends and just talking about random shit that have nothing to do with the podcast, you know. So yeah, that's that that's that's really what makes the podcast enjoyable. That human connection and then the music. Next. Doing the podcast, how did you know that you was like, what kind of made you feel like this is going to be the next big thing? Um, as much as much as it is conceded for me to say, and this is probably going to be the one conceded moment that I'm going to have. Are you ready for this? Because I was doing it that's what made me feel like it would be the next big thing because I was doing, I think realistically, I think I'm someone who is able to, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a introverted extrovert. And what I mean by that is if I don't know you, I'm probably not going to talk to you, but when you have a conversation, like when you're able to have a conversation with me, I think most people come away with the, come from that thinking, yo, that nigga is kind of, he's kind of cool, you know? So I think that I know my, I know, I know my strengths and one of my strengths is being able to speak to people and being able to uh, help them understand things. So just being able to take one of my strengths and now creating, taking that and creating a podcast or creating content with that um, is something very important. I think with that also RJ is a very, very interesting character um you don't even know if he's gonna like it's it's really fun because you don't really know if he's gonna start singing one moment um if he's if he's gonna get passionate the next moment and go on a 10 minute rant that is something that people need to hear 
um, just the unknown, just just the the fact that it's a structured podcast where there's still a lot of unknowns to it really excites me as well. There's there's nothing that we're really that we really have to do during when we record. So just all that, I, I think the main challenge for us now is how do we market that and how do we grow our reach? Like we were talking about before this podcast started, like, you know how like, um, that's really that's really the one big thing now with everybody. How do you grow your reach? How do you uh, get more eyes, get more ears to your product? Your, your content could be the best in the world, but if you don't get enough eyes or ears to it and nobody really knows it exists, does it really matter how good it is? So that's that's really the next big thing, trying to figure out how we're able to take the next step. And also, I just like the challenge of growing and being able, growing creatively and being able to, to make myself do things that I typically wouldn't do. Like a, year, like a year or two ago, I would not be editing videos. Now I do it twice a week. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be making graphics the way that I do. Like just, just learning and learning the different uh, intricacies in every single art, whether it's graphic design, video editing, audio editing. Like audio editing, that's not something I would have did like a year ago. Like I, I would not be doing that a year ago, but I'm doing that every week now. So just learning and figuring out what else I can do artistically is very exciting as well. Nice. Not a lot. Thank you, boss. Continuing podcasting. So yeah, the the thing is, is marketing. Because the company is like, social media. Like we are the new, like we're the new thing, and now we control the message. Not that that they could, yeah, we control the message. Now we just have to figure out how we get around that. I wonder who's going to break that new innovation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, TikTok right now definitely has game on lock, to be honest. Even though I don't have one and I don't really, I don't really think I'm going to get one in the next however long, unless I absolutely have to. But TikTok is definitely, that's, that's what's really popping off right now. Like, there's some, like a lot of artists now too, especially in the, like going back to music a little bit, like, a lot of artists are being able to find success on TikTok. Um, Megan Thee Stallion, Savage, would probably wouldn't have been as big as it was without TikTok. Old Town Road by Lil Nas X probably wouldn't have been as big as it was without TikTok. So TikTok is really starting to be the next gatekeeper in terms of what's cool or what's not cool. So that's that's very interesting to look out. There's another. Um, there's more apps that are coming. Um, so I'm I'm just excited to see the different avenues in which we can try and get the message out. And when we get to a point where we're not just limited to just Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. There's going to be something. I just can't predict what's going to be. Yeah. I feel like everything's been done, to be honest. I think Twitter, I think Twitter thinks that everything's been done too. You saw, um, Recently, they have this thing called Fleets now. That's essentially Instagram stories, which is essentially Snapchat. Like, where, where's the innovation, really? So it has to be something that just comes out of left field at this point. Yeah. Just... Somebody got to have that imagination. And Hopefully. Got flocked there. Hopefully. Because if nobody has that um, imagination, we're doomed. 
<laughs> we're just going to be under Facebook's thumb for the rest of our lives. And I don't know about you, but that's not really a world that I want to live in. Facebook rules. No, Facebook just takes. It's like the Drake of social media. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good comparison. That's a very good comparison. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty true. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fucking crazy. Trying to shaking my head. That's just they trying to they got a little YouTube component to it because now you can post videos on it. They have a Snapchat component. They have Instagram. Like their Facebook is Instagram too. Like there's just they're huge, man. That's fucking crazy. That's fucking crazy. The Instagram's like would that be future? No. Instagram would be. If if Facebook is Drake, if Facebook is Drake, Instagram is singing Drake. Singing Drake. Yeah, they're the same. They're the same person, but they're different. <laughs> they're the same person. And then Twitter would be Kendrick, someone who's not someone who isn't um, as appreciated as they should be, even though they're really appreciated, but low key the best. And who's cold? Snapchat. Snapchat? Low key. Because. Low key, but so loved? Something like that? Mm. Mm. Uh, I'd say started off really, really strong with everybody, then started to develop a, a, a niche and still having a few. No, let me not say a few, but still having a lot of dedicated fans however it's not really appealing to everybody anymore yeah and youtube is who's changed youtube hmm that's a good question what did you say kanye no, it's not Kanye. Um, I don't know. We're gonna have to get back to that. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a good one. That might be that might be the question of the day. That might be the question of the day. YouTube is in a weird space now too. So yeah. How long are we talking about that hour? Yeah. You got money on ideas. I'm cool. I'm I'm cooling, honestly. Um we could talk we could talk for however much longer. I'm this is fun. I'm enjoying this. Yay, I like that. Every guest <laughs> says they have fun. Yeah. Every reason doing something nice. Yeah. Good interviewer. You know how to you know how to um you know how to you have good questions, first of all. You know how to get people to tell you more. Um yeah, you're a good interviewer. Appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I have no background in this. I said that one time I did the magazine, a magazine effort. Rather than that, you did a magazine, a magazine effort or magazine cover. Like I did, um, you know that magazine the girls had. Your, I think it was your junior, at least your sophomore year. Nah, I don't remember nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a magazine. Uh huh. Well, I got into a mag, I got into a magazine. Oh, that's cool. 
You still have a copy of it? Yeah. So it's pretty much a published interviewer, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. With that, and then we're going to end it. Already. Already. So, last question. Yes. What would you name your origin story? Would I name my origin story? Yeah. Old Milk. Old Milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Old Milk underscore co on Instagram and Twitter. Check out the podcast, The Cat. Old Milk. Featuring, starring Nate, featuring Idris Elba. <laughs> yes, of course. Idris Elba, we're going to have everybody. I want, I want, I want, if, I, if there was one person that I wanted to play me, Heike, I like Lakeith Stanfield. I like him a lot. I like how he's able to, I like how he's able to make each role his own. Like it's still like you still get a little bit of his personality, even though he's still such a really good actor. He's 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 without a doubt my favorite actor right now. Him and um, what's 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 that one? Have you seen that one with the dystopian society and Tessa Thompson's in it? Sorry to bother you. That one was good. Him in Atlanta is fucking hilarious as Darius. Um, he was in Knives Out, which is good. He's where wherever he is on the screen, I'm I'm watching that shit. He's like like how some old people be like, oh, Denzel's on the screen. I'm gonna watch that. For me, Lakeith Stanfield. That's my Denzel Washington. I'm a I'm a I must die on this hill. That's that's what's up. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. See you later. Yes, sir. That brings another episode of the Let's Get Podcast to a close. Again, you can go, you can find the Cap Podcast on all major platforms or or click the link in the description below. For next week, I'm my friend Patrick to speak about his journey in being an art director. I hope you continue your next day and I hope to see you there.